Praise the Lord, Grace Church. Amen. Shall we pray and then get into the word? Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this morning. God, we ask of God that you will bless our hearts, you will bless our minds, you will bless our spirits, of God. Father, place us in the position where we will hear your word and it will impact our lives. That this message will be a wake-up call for us to wake up from our slumber and be alive unto you, O God. I pray and I lift my whole spirit, soul, and body into your hands, that Lord, you will place your hands on my lips that I will speak only your oracles. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our God is good. Uh, this morning, uh, the message we'll be hearing is entitled, The Parable of the Ten Virgins. The Parable of the Ten Virgins. And our text will be taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And the verses from 1 through to 13. Shall we read? Then the kingdom of heaven shall be, shall be likened to ten virgins who took the alarms and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took the alarms and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Verse five. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should, be, there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they, were, they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Verse 12, but he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. This is the parable of the ten virgins. Now, if you look at Jesus carefully, he's an excellent speaker. And he stopped 
travelers in their tracks. He engaged bystanders who were just uh, standing with his parables. Jesus spoke mostly in open places, not in the church settings like ours. He spoke on, he spoke on the mountain. He spoke uh, at the shores. I mean, standing in a boat. Uh, he spoke in uh, playing fields, outdoor places. And so you can imagine that uh, people may be passing by, some may be standing where Jesus came to actually minister, and they may be engaged in something else other than what Jesus had to say. So Jesus had to, I mean, basically <laughs> engage all these people with his message, and he chose to speak in parables. But why speak in parables if you can speak plainly? That was the question one of the disciples actually asked. Parables are short stories of everyday life used to compare profound spiritual truth. And Jesus used um, the parables to put heavenly truth in earthly wrappings. One of the purposes of a parable is to engage the listener to exercise his or her uh, spiritual muscles to understand what is being said or what the truth is in what is being said. Amen. And I believe personally that God is at work all around us and God is at work in us. And uh, for us to be able to join what God is doing at this moment, we have to be awake. Amen. We need to be awake to see what God is doing. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said that I only do what I see my Father doing. So God is at work around us, and it's about time that the church wake up to see what God is doing and for us to join him. Amen. So let's see if we can try and unwrap some of the truth in the parable that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 25. Now, let's try and do a little bit of outlining here. Jesus described that the kingdom of heaven would be like or would be liking to 10 virgins who took the alarms and their main purpose was to go and meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were foolish, the Bible said, and the other five were wise. Let's take a moment to kind of like see what are some of the characteristics of these uh, foolish and the wise. Let's start first with the foolish, as uh, Jesus did. So reading from the verses four, uh, three to four onwards, it talks about the foolish and the wise. And in verse three, it says that the foolish took the alarms, but no oil. In verse five, you see that the foolish, they fell asleep with the wise. They woke up to trim the alarm, but discovered that the alarms 
were going out in verse 7. They asked for oil from the wise. Give us some of your oil, they pleaded. That is in the verse 8. They went out to the shop at midnight to buy oil in verse 9. But who goes to the shop at midnight to buy oil? They were denied entrance to the wedding in the verses 11 and 12. So that's the characteristics of the foolish. Now, let's take another moment to look at the characteristics of the wise. The wise took the alarms and oil in their vessels. Somebody say extra. They had extra oil in their vessels, in their jar. They fell asleep with the foolish. They woke up to trim the alarms but oh, they have extra oil. So the alarms stayed on. <clears throat> they said to the foolish, they said no to the foolish and directed them to buy oil for themselves. They directed them to the source. The wise went to the wedding with the bridegroom in verse 10. Now, what is the difference between the wise and the foolish? I mean, right from the uh, look of things, it was just extra. It was extra oil. Because both the foolish and the wise all fell asleep. The wise were able to meet their end goal, to meet the bridegroom but the foolish failed. You need to be concerned if there is lack of oil in your life. You need anointing of God to live a spirit-empowered life. For this message to really make sense to us and to, for us to be able to apply it to our lives, we really need to unwrap it and see what are some of the, what does the symbols mean? What, are, what does the characters in the parable mean? So let's continue with this. And the lamp in the, in the parable that Jesus mentioned, the lamp stands for the word of God. In Psalm 119 and verses 105, the Bible says that, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Amen. So the lamp which was referred in the, in the parable is the word of God. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. Now listen carefully. I'm not saying that the oil is the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit. In 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 13, can we open to that? 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13. 
If you get to it, say amen. Good. So we all have it. So 1 Samuel 16 verse 13 says that, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. When the anointing, the oil was poured on David, the spirit of God came upon him. And later in Psalm 92 verse 10, David said that, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Amen. So the anointing is what fuels your spiritual life. Without the anointing of God, uh, you may be running on empty. You may be running on uh, your own strength. The ten virgins that was mentioned in the parable are Christians just like you and me. Okay? The five foolish are Christians who were once on fire for the Lord. But now the alarms are out. They used to pursue the word of God and the spirit, but they don't do that anymore because other things have occupied their attention. Amen. They go to church all right. They participate in so many activities, including small group, uh, uh, all kinds of things that are being offered in the church. But the problem is that now when you look at them and an unbeliever, you don't see any difference. The foolish did not understand the message of the kingdom. So the enemy came and stole the word of God from their hearts. They were running on empty without even knowing it. But you cannot afford to run on empty. You cannot afford it. Just say to yourself, I can't afford to run on empty. Amen. The foolish were distracted by so many things, such as fear, laziness, busyness, procrastination, and uh, all kinds of things, unforgiveness. They were occupied by those things. But what do you think that the foolish should have done? According to Apostle Paul, they should have let the word of God dwell richly in their hearts. Let's turn our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 and the verses number 16 and 17. Book of Colossians chapter 3 and the verses 16 and 17. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the foolish should have let the word of God or the word of Christ dwell richly in all wisdom in their lives so that whether in marriage, in school, at work, whatever you do, you see the word of God. You abide by the word of God. You seek the word of God for direction in all that you do. Amen. Again, Apostle Paul says that the, the foolish should have renewed their mind with the word of God in Romans 12 verse 2. They were supposed to pursue the word of God and mix it with faith so that it can burn in their heart like it did in the life of uh, Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah's case is one of uh, an unpopular ministry. But uh, there is a lesson here for us to know. And that lesson is to, for us to yield to the word and the spirit. And we should not hold back. We should allow the word and the spirit to lighten our path. In the case of Jeremiah, the Bible said that Jeremiah had the word of God. The Spirit of God spoke to him, and he was supposed to deliver what he has been told. And so he will go out there and preach to the people, and he realizes that because he was yielding to the Spirit of God, all the things that came out of his mouth were violence and, um, and destruction. And uh, as a result, it became like a ridicule to him. People were mocking him. And so it got to a point, he said to the Lord that, look, you know, this is enough. I've had so much ridicule. I've been mocked. So I'm not going to speak your word anymore. But he believed in the things that the Spirit of the Lord was telling him. He still mixed the word that he received uh, with faith. And so the Bible said that it came to a point where um, the, the, the word of God piled up in him, and he was burning in his bones like fire. You know, so when you keep the word of God, and you add, you keep it in your heart, and you mix it with faith, it becomes like fire. It becomes light in your path, and it burns every darkness in your life. Amen, somebody. So let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 20, and the verses number... Seven through to nine to see what uh, was going on with Jeremiah. Jeremiah 20 and the verses number seven to nine. It says, O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. 
I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me. A reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was wary of holding it back and I could not. Amen. Don't hold back the word of God. Don't hold back the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The five wise in the parable are Christians who have devoted their lives to the word and the spirit. They are the ones David talked about in Psalm 1 verse 2. That, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Joshua 1 verse 8 also echoed the same uh, point, saying that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Amen. The the psalmist also said in Psalm 119 verse 11 that, your word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. Amen. So this is the path that the wise have chosen to tread on. They are ready to do the word of God. They are ready to do the word of the Lord. And they recognize that they cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. So what they do is that they depend on the Holy Spirit. Solomon said that, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen. Amen. We need to acknowledge the word of God and the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Amen. For God to direct our path. The wise are the ones who agree with Paul in saying that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and then for the Greek. That's in Romans 1.16. It is the word of God that makes us wise. Amen. It is the word of God that makes us wise. So irrespective of where you are today in your Christian walk with the Lord, you cannot accomplish your God-giving assignment or potential without the Word and the Spirit. The Bible says that not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Let me just share uh, an experience I had with the Holy Spirit uh, 
last, last, year, in the, last year spring, that's the 2019 spring. I, as a matter of fact, I fail in this uh, experience, but uh, I am learning and I'm trusting the Lord more. And I believe that this will, will bless you. It was only a few days ago, as a matter of fact, um, August 1st to be precise, that the Lord <laughs> really explained to me why I failed in that assignment. Amen. Because I was uh, planning to depend on my own strength to execute a divine assignment. And the Lord said, no, that's not going to happen. So this is what happened. I was traveling from Allentown Airport to Tulsa. And uh, while sitting in the plane, I was playing a song entitled, Hello God. For some reason, some anointing fell on that uh, song, and uh, I found myself praying. So I was praying, and then I told God that, look, I'm ready to do anything you want me to do. So please, speak to me in a language that I will understand, and I will do whatever you ask of me. That was like a great prayer, you know. I was feeling the spirit. And, and then the Lord said, no, you won't. I'm like, oh, no, please. I will do it. Whatever you ask me, I will do it. And uh, the conversation ceased. So I traveled and I got to Tulsa. Um, a cousin of mine came to pick me from the airport. And we were all standing. Standing at the carousel to... Uh, get, a, get my luggage. And so uh, we were standing in the, the, the C-shaped side. We were standing on the left. Somebody was standing on the right. So I think the, whenever the bag comes, it will go on the other side before it gets to me. And so there was this gentleman standing right there, nicely dressed. And then the moment my bag came out, he picked the bag. And he looked on the name on it, and somehow he nodded his head in agreement See if that's my bag, yes. And so he took it. And <laughs> gentle as I was, I didn't want to embarrass him. And, uh, but then I heard clearly the Lord was telling me, somebody is stealing your bag. Guess what I did? I, I turned to my cousin. I said, this gentleman is stealing my bag. Please follow him. And I was still standing there waiting for my bag to come. So I stood there, waited and waited and waited. My bag never showed up. And then uh, my cousin just called me from outside. and said, hey, you better come outside. You are right. The guy is a thief. Please call the cops and come outside. So the moment I dashed outside, uh, this guy just ran into a pickup and off he went. So we went back into the airport and then uh, uh, went to... Delta Airlines and complained that, look, um, my luggage is stolen. And then I think it was a, a lady, and then she was like, uh, don't be ridiculous. Uh, people don't steal bags here. Are you sure you haven't taken your bag? I said, look, I know for a certain, for a fact that my bag is stolen. He said, how do you know? I said, I know. <laughs> and then... Um, he said, so do you want to make a complaint? I said, yes, absolutely. So I made a complaint. I filled the forms, and then I signed, and I left. 
And then she called me the following day and she was like, oh, Mr. Mante, I am so sorry. You were right. Your bag was stolen. Yesterday, the cops were able to apprehend a group of people who were stealing bags all the way from uh, Oklahoma City Airport to Tulsa Airport. Um, there are a lot of bags here. If you don't mind, you can come over uh, to look it, to see if you can find your bag. I said, look, I'm in a class. Uh, can you please um, take photos of the bags and send it to me for me to take a look? I looked at it and my bag was not in there amongst them. Well, I was compensated for all the the things that were lost. But then that was a big lesson. I never found my bag up to today. I had checks and things in it. They were all gone. So the lesson here was that I was depending on my own strength to do what God was about to ask me to do instead of relying on the Spirit of God. I should have told the Lord that, oh, I would do it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Whatever you ask me to do, I would do it in your name. But the Lord sees our hearts, and he knew that what I was, the position I was in, it was all natural. It was all by the flesh that I said that I would do it. As if I would do it in my own power. We need the Word and the Spirit. Amen, somebody. Now, in the parable, Jesus mentioned that uh, both, the, um, both the wise and the foolish fell asleep as the bridegroom delayed. Now, the word asleep over here is a spiritual condition of the church. The church is sleeping. But in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through, uh, 14 through um, 14, and also in Ephesians 5, 14 to 15, Paul admonishes us to wake up from our sleep. So let's, first of all, let's turn to Romans chapter 13. Are you being blessed today? Romans chapter 13, reading from the verse 11. It says that, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Verse 12 says that the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on our armor of light. Let's quickly turn to Ephesians also uh, 5. And let's look at uh, verses 14. Verses 14 to 15. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ 
will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectively, which is carefully, not as fools, but as wise. For me, I think that uh, this scripture actually summarizes the whole parable. Talking about the sleep, the, the, the spiritual condition of the church in the last days, and then talking about the foolish and the wise. Paul is saying that we should awake from our sleep, awake from our slumber, and let Christ shine for us. Now, the midnight cry is the wake-up call for the church. And I pray that you will consider today's message as the midnight cry and wake up. In the parable, there is a third group of people who were very silent within the parable, but they were there. So now we've seen the, the foolish, we've seen the wise, but there were a third group of people who we will refer to as the messengers. They were the ones who sounded the midnight cry, and they never slept. But um, the question is, where are the messengers who will wake up the church today? Jesus is coming, somebody. We need to wake up. The shut door is when it is too late to repent, too late to immerse yourself in the word and establish a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't let it be too late. Now is the time. Wake up and immerse yourself in the word of God. Establish a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Don't be like me last year where the Lord was speaking to me and uh, I was trying to understand it with my natural um, understanding, doing what I think is the best. Yield to the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I've become very, very sensitive since that time to, to the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, this was not in the message, this is just a sidebar. This happened only yesterday. I went to the Greens Mill to, uh, to pray, early in the morning to pray and just prepare myself for the word this morning. And uh, when I left, I, I, I parked my car, I saw about three people, uh, two women and a man sitting by a table and they, were, they had a Bible and they were doing Bible study. And I looked at them and I left. I went, did all my walk, prayed, and I felt good. I was coming back and I saw that. When I came back, I saw that they've switched positions. They've gone from where they were sitting to, um, they were now sitting under the shed, still discussing. And then when I got to where they were, I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, go and have a discussion with them. This is intrusion. Why would I do that? So, guess what happened? I walked all the way to my car. <laughs> then I remembered what happened last spring. So I returned. I didn't know what to do. I went all the way and I said, uh, hello, I can see you guys are having a Bible discussion. Do you mind if I sit? They said, oh yes, please sit. So I sat down and I said, 
what are you discussing? They said, uh, we are, uh, they had Mark, Max Lucado's uh, Bible study material, and they were discussing, said, we are doing Matthew 11. And then they started talking up. The leader started talking a little bit about it. And I'm like, oh, that's good. By the way, I'm also, I mean, learning uh, Matthew 25. And so they, they quickly flipped through their, their book. They realized that Matthew 25 is not there in what their lesson plan. And they said, hmm, we don't have Matthew 25. We only have Matthew 24. But, uh, well, you know what? You can share Matthew 25 with us so that we don't miss out on anything. So I ended up sharing this message with them. And right after that, they were like, oh, well, God bless you. Where do you go to church? I said, go to Grace Church. Uh, I said, so where do you also go to church? We go to United Methodist in uh, West Lawn. I said, oh, yeah, my house is just right by it. And so we just uh, shared presentries and said, okay, I think uh, my assignment is over here. I got to go. Amen, somebody. So this is what it means to be obedient to the Spirit of God, to be prompt to, I don't know what that message did to any of them, but I saw that they were making notes. They were taking notes. Amen, somebody. Amen. We need to yield to the Spirit of God. We need to yield to the Word of God in every aspect of our lives. Now, the wedding banquet is the reward or an inheritance. The wise enjoy the benefits of their inheritance, but the foolish were shut out of their inheritance even though they were saved. Those who persist in their faith, the word and the spirit will enjoy a reward. Amen, somebody. So now that you know what the parable says, how are you going to live your life from today onwards? Now you know. How are you going to be ready for the coming of the Lord? We need to yield to the word of God. We need to yield to the spirit. In the, in the book of Acts chapter 10, verses 38, the Bible says that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then also, the scripture that was, uh, the, the kids I mean, learned this morning says that if the spirit of the Lord, uh, which raised Jesus Christ from the dead, dwelleth in you, then it shall quicken your mortal body. We have that spirit. We have to listen to the spirit. That's uh, sp- uh, still small voice. We need to listen to it. In, in uh, the book of Luke chapter 4, verse, uh, verses 18 and 19, uh, Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of God makes all the difference. And it made all the difference in the lives of the wise. They had extra. It, that's what will make all the difference. The Bible says that uh, it is the same spirit that will break every yoke and it will lift every burden in your life. So in conclusion, Jesus is coming. So watch and be ready. Don't be like the foolish. Watch and be ready. We must remain true to our faith in Christ, no matter what the circumstances. So that when he comes, we will be prepared to receive him. We will be prepared for him to receive us. Our failure to continue in the word or in a loving relationship with the Father will mean we will forfeit our inheritance. God has given each of us an assignment Jesus said that we should occupy till he comes. And we need to seek for that assignment in the word of God and be equipped by the spirit of God to do that assignment. It is only in the word of God that you can see the assignment that you've been given. And it is only the spirit of God that can empower you to do that assignment. Amen. People, Jesus is coming soon. Now, it took Jesus Christ 30 years to prepare for a three-year ministry. And even when that time came for him to do the assignment that he was giving, he said, Father, if it is possible, please let this car pass by. But nevertheless, thy will be done. And for us, it will take us our entire lifetime to be ready. It will take us, this is no joke, it will take us, our, there's, no, there's no, no point in our lives that we, will, we can say that I have arrived. You cannot, I know a lot of you are now saying, categorizing yourself to say, oh no, I think I'm a wise Christian. Oh, I'm, I have nothing to do with the, with the foolish. But if you realize carefully, the foolish did all the right things. They asked when they felt that uh, they were weak. They asked for help. But uh, um, the wise should have done better. They should have seen that uh, uh, the foolish didn't have any extra and caution them in from the beginning. Hey, why don't you have extra? And help them out. Instead of telling them at midnight to go to the source. And if you watch carefully, this is all extra, it's not in my notes. If you watch carefully, you will realize that the wise even didn't have enough. Because they said that if we share what we have with you, it will not be enough for us. They will not even make it. All that the Lord is asking of you is just a little bit extra. Let this word remain with you, a little bit extra. So today, if you have not learned anything at all, this is what I want you to take home. Be watchful 
and ready for the coming of the Lord. And how, how are you going to do that? By pursuing the word and the spirit. Yield to the word and the spirit. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Shall we all bow our heads in prayer? I want you to just take a moment to speak to the Lord and ask the Lord to show you where areas in your life that you need to yield to him. Yield to the word and yield to the spirit. If you are not doing that now, uh, you want to ask him to um, begin to show himself to you in ways that you need to be better. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask that, Lord, this word will be a wake-up call for us, that we will wake up from our slumber and be alive unto you, O God. Teach us how to yield to your word and the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you all.